Welcome to the Longview Podcast, a show for Catholic school teachers, Catholic school teachers, and anyone who works to form young people in the faith. I'm Joe. And I'm Elizabeth, and we're here to bring you conversation, contemplation, and some food for thought. So grab your red pen, your favorite beverage, and enjoy. Happy Catholic Schools Week. Oh, it is. It's Catholic Schools Week. What is Catholic Schools Week? Well, it's a week. It's always the last. starts with the last Sunday in January where we celebrate the great gift of Catholic schools in our country and that we have this gem, this resource that has been around for a long, long time and it's still here, thank goodness, thanks to the good work of lots of religious and lay people who are working hard in the trenches. Hmm. It's also the week that we launched our podcast. That's true. We launched our podcast. This is the first episode we've recorded since the podcast actually launched. It was really exciting. Got a lot of good feedback. It's cool to see people reconnecting. People I haven't talked to in a long time are reaching out and saying, hey, that's awesome. You're doing a podcast. I listened to it. It's great. So so thank you for all 12 of you that are still listening. <laughs> Please go give us a review on iTunes. A five-star review, preferably. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, it's been a lot of fun reconnecting with people. And um, yeah, if you ha- think of somebody that you would love to hear on the podcast, send them my way. And then we can we can grow it with lots of new guests. So what about Catholic Schools Week for you? Do you remember Catholic Schools Week as a kid? Yeah, I remember just a lot of fun, a lot of like dress up silly kind of days and um, just do things out of the ordinary epic volleyball game with you know eighth graders versus teachers yeah because nothing says a gem of our country of our catholic (laughs) faith like volleyball (laughs) no it's true we've dallas advocates have been doing um the ace advocates here in dallas have been doing photo contests for the last few years for catholic schools week and it's always so fun to see the really creative stuff that people do to celebrate catholic schools week I think one of my favorite things I saw was it just happened that uh, the 100th day of school coincided with Catholic Schools Week. And so the kindergartners or the pre-K kids were dressed up as 100-year-olds, like like people who are 100 years old. It was really cute. Very cute. Also, dress up like your teacher. So like middle schoolers who are dressing like their teachers. I thought that was pretty cute, too. Shout out to Stephanie Allen, because I think I've seen that Facebook feed as well. <laughs> yeah, very cute. <laughs> Babies dressed as old people. You got to love it. Well, um, we have an awesome guest today. I'm really excited. Do you want to do a little introduction? Oh my God. You're going to put me on the spot? Yeah. Greg Celio. uh, We actually have uh, experiences with him. I was in a choir with him at Notre Dame. Um, So I remember him uh, as he was 10 years ago. But then... Flash forward 10 years later, we just had a conversation before we started this podcast and got to reconnect. Um, he's a Jesuit, and he's uh, been in for many, many years because <laughs> it takes a long time to become a Jesuit priest, uh, hopefully, and he's definitely been in our prayers. And I, I admitted to him that I've been stalking him on social media <laughs> and learning about him through our other Jesuit friends in Dallas. Uh, but he's in Toronto right now studying uh, theology and... Um, has a lot of experience in uh, Catholic schools and teaching. And uh, how'd you get him? How'd you think how'd of him? How'd I get him? Yeah. Well, our friend David. 
Oh, okay. Shout out David. <laughs> Our friend David, who lives with him in Toronto. Yeah, but Greg is an Ace 11, and he was in Nashville, which is no longer a community. Sad. Well, Greg, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's good to be with you guys and to reconnect. How are things in Toronto? Is it very cold? Uh, it is. I mean, it was slightly warmer today, which meant it was um, about 32 or 33. Okay. Um, so it snowed. Uh, <laughs> It snowed yesterday a little bit, snowed today a little bit. So we got some snow on the ground. But uh, yeah, you know, the worst the worst days were um, maybe about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. It got down to about zero so or a little Oof. bit below. So Oof. that was pretty tough. But yeah. Yeah, we actually we're had we're good. We had a little bit of winter in Dallas this year so far. We've had we've had some cold, like legitimately cold days where you could say, oh, all right, that was brisk. That was actually yeah. cold. Yeah. Some last year there was nothing. It was like fifty degrees all winter long. Yeah, it sounds like it's been like that in in several places. So mm-hmm. friends in Nashville, I think it's been cold there, and I know in Tacoma, it's it's. I think it's snowed in the Tacoma Seattle area this year. Yeah, so. Houston, Houston got yeah. snow, and I'm from yeah. Mobile, and they got snow at least once, maybe twice this year, which is unheard of. Yeah. Is it, is it the California province that you're from or the West Coast province? What do you guys call it? I used to be California. We just became uh, U.S. West or the West Coast <laughs> Jesuits. So <laughs> hashtag West Coast Jesuits. <laughs> and does one choose to go to Toronto or get sent from the beautiful California West Coast weather to, to Toronto weather? Or how's that work? Um, yeah, I, I was I was I was sent. I was sent here. <laughs> so. It was, it was not, it was not uh, really on my radar until my formation assistant um, said that they wanted me to come here. So um, it's Same. one, of, it's one of three places that we could go in 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 North America. So the other would be BC and Boston, and then uh, there's a Jesuit school of theology in Berkeley. So, so you're studying theology. I am studying theology. Yeah, master's in divinity program. Okay. So okay, and it's three yeah, years. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you on your path to ordination? On What's the timeline for you? Yeah. So I have been in now, I think it's eight and a half years wow. and I have two and a half more until I become a priest and a year and a half before I become a deacon. So next, next May I'll, I'll become a deacon. So Cool. But you are yeah. Greg Celio SJ, right? You're you're already you have vowels. And- I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. So since so we take we become SJ after two years when we take vows, yeah, we become SJ. So, so yeah, Pretty so cool. not father, not father yet, not but, father yet, but Mr. Greg Celio SJ, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. We'll put that officially on your on the yes. on the episode. We'll make sure it's labeled appropriately on our episode. <laughs> and so you you have suffix, suffixes or like. Greg Celio, what, like BA or like what was it, and then MED, and then what else do you have? You have a lot of um, suffixes. There. I actually, that's that's actually it. I stopped. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, I stopped at the race. Yeah, I've, 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 I had to study philosophy for three years, but I didn't get a degree. You get a degree. Um, yeah, so I'll end up I'll end up adding an MDiv to the end of those other two. But <laughs> All for right, now, well. I'm I'm what I've been for the last eight half years i guess we'll take it i mean sj that's pretty good that's a pretty good suffix to have (laughs) so tell us about your time in aches you were in nashville and you're in 11 and tell us about where you taught and what you taught and your experience yeah so 
Yeah, so I taught uh, at St. Vincent de Paul Catholic School in Nashville, which is an African-American school. Um, I think it was, if I remember right, it was founded, I think, by Sister um, or St. Catherine Drexel, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, so it was one of the ones that she founded. And so it's it had served, it actually, unfortunately, does not um, exist as a Catholic school anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's currently a charter school or what it was um, after I left, but um so yeah, so that's unfortunate uh, for sure, but it yeah mostly served um, African American students, um, and I taught uh, a lot of things. My first year, I taught social studies to sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and I taught PE to the entire school. <laughs> oh god, um, which was which was actually great. Um, that actually was um, probably yeah, it was a, it was really a godsend. I think my my first year because it was kind of no matter what happened in the morning when I was teaching social studies, I knew that I could do a, you know, a halfway decent job of being a PE teacher and the kids would have fun and they loved it. And, um, so yeah, so that, that was a good experience. My second year I taught, uh, I had five preps, which, which was, I would not recommend, um, to anybody. So I taught two math classes, a science class and two social studies classes. And that was a really tough year. So that was, (laughs) Yeah. That is rough. So, yeah. So of course, was... any second grade teacher who's listening is going to be like, Psh, "No, I, I know. That's why I have a lot. I understand. I understand. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't understand how they do what they do, but that's yeah. For the rest Seriously. of us, that was hard. That yeah. was hard. Yeah. Yeah. So were you were you cut as coach, or did they just need you in other areas? <laughs> they they needed me in other areas. So they, they hired yeah they hired someone else to do PE and uh, but that's actually where I had like one of my favorite stories i mean that i remember from from ace was was my first day of school when i go down and after teaching and i had been thinking all summer you know about teaching social studies and then we had you know the classes on like how to teach social studies and all of that right and like that's all i had been thinking about et cetera et cetera you know middle school we're learning you know we're learning how to do with middle schoolers and like my first pe class is is a kindergarten class (laughs) and i have no idea how to deal with kindergartners And I have one kid who like starts like I have the kids run around the gym and he just keeps running and running and running and running and and like wouldn't stop and was like running on the bleachers and like the secretary of the school had to come in and like yell at him (laughs) and tell him to stop. And then I quickly learned that all you had to do was say that, like, you know, I'm going to do you want me to change your happy face to a frown face? Oh, ooh, and, and that, right. Deal. I didn't know. I didn't know that that was that was the thing that would have gotten him to stop. But <laughs> see, anyway, if you had so. been in Sister Gail's like elementary how to teach elementary school class, you would have exactly. learned like stoplights, you know, behavior management systems, stickers, <laughs> all these things. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. So, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that would be a little rough. It Did was, but it, it, I mean, it got better. It was actually not, it was, it was mostly, that part of my day was mostly, was mostly easy. So. Did you do the same thing for all the kids? Like everybody's playing dodgeball today or did you mix it up? Like no, little we, kids are mix, doing... I, we mix it up. Yeah. Actually one, one of the, so yeah, you'd learn kind of what the different, you know, groups like to play and I wouldn't always let them play with, you know, what they wanted to or maybe not. Yeah. Not regularly, but like. Yeah, I mean, some kids like love to play tag or they love to play kickball. And I think one of my favorites was, I think it was like the third grade or the second grade. Maybe it was the first grade. They loved to dance. So we would <laughs> dance. And they would like sing like, like, 
different songs. Like, I mean, I, th- I don't know if I brought music in or if we would just sing and like dance, but that was probably my favorite. And they were like singing like Snoop Dogg. It was like, like the time of like Drop It Like It's Hot was oh, yeah. like a thing. And they were singing like Drop It Like It's Hot. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, they were like in the first grade. So anyway. Oh, good times. Well, I feel like yeah. that's going to pre- have prepared you for anything you face as a priest. Like, you know, you, you, I've seen priests who, like, go to give a homily to little kids and have no clue how to talk to little kids just because they've never yeah. had to do it. But I feel like that's going to prepare you really well for whoever's in front of you. Just eighth grade, I hope so. kindergarten. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I think it would be fun, you know, to try to connect with, with young kids, like in a, in a homily. I think that's Mm -hmm. not something that maybe would be easy, but, um, anyway, I've started thinking about, I have nieces who are like that age, nieces and nephews. So I kind of think about what it's like for them when, when they're at mass and what do they pay attention to, which is often not, not very much. Not much. (laughs) Yeah. As parents of two small children, I'll tell you a frequent refrain in our pew is be good boy. Donut. Be good boy. Donut. Yes. Yeah. If you are a good boy, you'll get a donut. That's basically yep. what we've got so far. <laughs> so. And also like right, right when communion's about to start is when I hear a whisper in my ear, of, daddy, I want to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a nephew who kind of does the same thing. He'll be like, is mass, is mass over yet? Is mass over yet? Like when he knows people are going up for communion. Or like he, he, it was just like an offertory and you saw people moving. Is mass almost over? No. Mass no. over. No. Yeah. Not done yet. Yeah. It's rough. I, I, yeah. I commented the other day to somebody that honestly the hardest part of raising my children Catholic is Sunday mass. And that seems kind of like the basics, but that's the very hardest part. Like we can, we yeah. can do the blessing at the table. We can do an advent wreath. We can, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, celebrate St. Days with ice cream. Those are all the fun things, but like getting through mass with small children is very difficult. That's where they're making me into a saint. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I bet, I bet it is. Well, speaking of praying, Joe, do you want to lead us into the gospel for tonight? Yeah. Um, so how does this work? Greg chose us? Yeah, Greg, Greg mm-hmm. picked a gospel that he wanted to reflect on for us tonight. All right. Um, so I'll read the gospel, I'll share some reflection questions, and then I'll read it again, and then we'll open up for discussion. This is the gospel according to St. John. Before the Feast of Passover... Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So, during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus said to him, 
Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet, and put garments back on, and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. Where is Jesus calling me today to follow his model and to do for others as he has done for me? Who do I allow to serve me? Who do I allow to wash my feet? Like Peter, do I tell Jesus, you will never wash my feet? Or do I come to Jesus with my needs? Before the Feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So, during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all, for he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put his garments back on and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. Greg, what was it about this gospel that stood out to you that you wanted to share with us? Um, I think I was drawn to it because of the, well, the image of Jesus as, as a teacher, and especially excuse me, the, I think that he, he teaches by, by showing and, and through his own example. And that that's something that um, I guess I hoped that was a part of my teaching when I was a teacher. Um, certainly something that I hope would be a part of my life kind of in, in general. But uh, so I think that's one part of it. The other part is 
is the humility of Jesus to, to do that. And the way that it kind of seems like there's no, he's kind of showing that there's, there's really kind of nothing that he's not willing to do to kind of show, you know, his love for, for his disciples and, and, and for us. Um, so kind of that generosity to kind of, yeah, to kind of take even that lowest place, um, really stands out. And then kind of, as I'm hearing the, the, the discussion questions, I mean, those are, those are, you know, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but it's, it's, that's tough sometimes to kind of think about, okay, well, how, how do I let other people love me? And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of fundamental to that passage. And I think that's, um, sometimes a challenge, you know, it's easier sometimes to think of, of loving others than, than kind of how do I let other people love me? How do I let Jesus love me? You know? So that's kind of the, I think the spiritual challenge for me, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I see myself as a servant leader and a lot of, you know, roles that I've been in have been leadership, but requiring a lot of humility and, and getting down and doing the dirty work, especially as a, as a mom, particularly, but even as a teacher or lots of different roles I've been in, but you're right. The hardest part for me is not the serving, it's the being served, um, which requires me to humble myself and receive, um, service, which, yeah, I mean, I, I respond the same way as Peter, like, you will never wash my feet. Mm -hmm. Like, no way, no way. I'm the one who does the serving here. So step back, you know, mm -hmm. that can be really hard. I can attest to this as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you're very good at serving me, <laughs> washing my feet. I That's why marriages that. help us grow in holiness, huh? That's right. Yeah. That's or right. community members in my case. Yeah. 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 yeah let me... You have definitely a great perspective with, you know, living in community and being a Jesuit and going on a 30 day retreat and just the formation that you're always in. And mm -hmm. I mean, clearly you're tight with Jesus. <laughs> and I would assume that our audience, especially those that serve in Catholic schools or are Catholic and are teachers and, you know, you need to have this intimate relationship with Christ, I guess, to be able to serve as, as Christ does. So I don't know. Can you speak to what can I say about that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, like you said, I'm in formation. I'm still on kind of the journey, you know, and I think, um, I mean, I do sense that Jesus is calling me to deeper intimacy with him, you know, and that that's really important in my life. And I, and I, I'm not, I don't always feel like I kind of, um, I don't always think I live from that place where I, where I kind of maybe let Jesus be, um, I don't know, to, to love me or to, to even to, to be as close to me as maybe he wants to be, um, if that makes any sense. And, uh, but I think that I learn, I don't know, I think, I think I've learned certainly the way that, um, I don't know, that, that God is present in different ways. And I think in different moments and especially when I was a teacher you know a couple of years ago um and in high school as a Jesuit like I, I think I experienced God being very um, gentle with me very kind of like in some ways kind of repairing the wounds of kind of the daily grind <laughs> of teaching or living you know mm -hmm. um now I don't feel like I have as much of that busyness you know I mean I'm studying and so I think 
you know, my relationship with Jesus is different, you know, because my life is different. And so I think that's kind of, I think kind of the challenge for me or in any moment is to kind of try to be open to kind of where, where is Jesus calling me at this moment of my life, you know, which may not be like last year or the year before that, or, you know, so I think in that case, I, that's, you know, that's kind of where I find myself and, uh, and that's, it's a challenge, but it's, um, I do think that there's a depth, you know, or a, a growing, um, intimacy, um, but just to kind of be open to pursuing what that might be, you know, or what that might look like in any given time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautifully said, I think. And it makes me think of, I mean, we were talking earlier about, you know, how relationships change over time and, uh, and deepen and, and. I mean, it's the same thing too with with Christ, right? It's not it's not a static thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Your relationship, learning about him uh, in in grade school and middle school and high school versus as an adult, as a parent, or as a person in formation or religious formation. Like, there's always there's always more, and it's, mm-hmm. it can always be uncomfortable. And um, you know, how much more can you love me? How much more can you give? And um, no, it's very challenging, but and to not be complacent in that. Yeah, and how much more can I can I learn to to rely on him, you know, or to or to yeah, to rely on him, kind of in a really um, in a really close way, in a really I don't know, in a really intimate way, you know, um, mm-hmm. for me especially being being someone who who doesn't have a spouse, you know, who doesn't have someone who's uh, I mean, I have community members, but I don't have kind of that, that's, that's the relationship for me to depend on, you know? And so that's, mm-hmm. but anyway, it's, it's not always, you know, it's not always the first relationship that I think to go to, you know, <laughs> amazingly, even though I am, you know, pr- praying every day and, and, you know, trying to con- consider him, you know, in my daily life. So anyway. Just thinking about the the levels of intimacy here, where you know, P- Jesus and Peter, this is the Last Supper, so like this is almost the end for them, and they've been through a lot together, so they've they've grown into a deep friendship. And I was c- kind of thinking about like, I doubt either of you have ever had a pedicure, but perhaps <laughs> somebody who's listening could relate, <laughs> ladies. Uh, some gentlemen, it's fine, whatever. Um, so, but like, if you go get a pedicure and you have this stranger who washes your feet the the typical stance is like i'm just going to read my magazine or look at my phone and have and have like no engagement with this stranger who i'm paying to literally wash my feet and it's fine i'm like i'm relaxed this is a spa like environment i'm super comfortable this is you know pampering for me but we have we started this habit with our kids on holy thursday where we're never going to make it through the holy thursday liturgy at five o'clock with hungry wiggling kids so we just just adopted this, um, tradition that I had learned from other families of washing each other's feet. Um, and I don't know, maybe you've had your feet washed at church, like in the liturgy, but to have someone, you know, wash your feet is very squirmy inducing for me. Like to have a stranger wash my feet and do a pedicure is like no big deal. But like that intimacy level is like ratchets up the discomfort in a big way. I don't know if y'all ever experienced that, but just want to throw that out there. I, I mean, I've experienced that at, at church. I mean, it definitely is an, a kind of awkward experience. I mean, especially with people that, you know, 
I mean, I can remember, I think my dad washed my feet maybe once at a Holy Thursday service. And it's just, you know, someone who that that's not kind of the normal kind of way relating, you know, and I think that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine <clears throat> that in Jesus's time, like they probably, you know, got their feet washed sometimes too, but it wasn't by people that they were close to, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it was the similar kind of pedicure like relationship, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. Yeah, because wasn't isn't the they would come in like having traveled you know a dusty road with their with their sandals it was kind of like a typical ritual when you enter someone's home or just kind of a hospitality kind of thing, but I don't think it would be like the master or the head of the house who's going to kneel down and wash your feet. It's going to be the servant. It's mm-hmm. going to be kind of a a lower status person. That's my yeah. That's my understanding. Joe, have you have you had any experiences of? getting your feet washed or yeah they i had that in a liturgy in the holy thursday liturgy um and then the experience with my family folk choir actually <laughs> uh, the choir that we we're in, the, in notre dame um they would do that too uh during um the the easter weekend the, the triduum um after the holy thursday mass um, we'd have a simple dinner and you know participate that as well and yeah it, it is it is uh, what's the right word? Just it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's I mean vulnerable, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and to allow someone to I guess deal with your mess, you know, is mm-hmm. is you know even just feet in general can make some people squirm. Right now, thinking of someone else's feet or my feet it definitely <laughs> makes me squirm. Uh, moist feet. Uh, sorry. <laughs> we just lost all twelve listeners that we used to have. They're all gone. <laughs> no, but but yeah, the the fact that you know using that sense and and the, allowing a stranger to do that, uh, but we're allowing Christ to do that, but out of great love. Um, there's something uh, I think very powerful in that 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 little ritual, that that beautiful ritual, um, and. Yeah, think about, you know, apply that to anything, your vocation, your teaching, parenting, relationships with others. And, you know, this is the kind of love that uh, that Jesus is asking us to, to follow his model and, you know, to to allow uh, to allow Jesus into our mess and to allow him to clean it up, which is like, no, and don't, don't go there. It's too dirty. It's gross. Like how, you know, get away from my moist feet. You know? <laughs> Sorry. Just a fun word, but uh, but then yeah, to totally turn that in from the spiritual lens and like, do I do I let Jesus in and clean up uh, the mess uh, that I have inside too, and and uh, to allow that and to to embrace that to appreciate that. I don't know. It's I think that's why the sacrament of reconciliation is so difficult, is that you're just burying the mess and like, <laughs> here it is, and I'm saying it out loud and and like beyond even the the awkwardness that people have of speaking to a priest, but like even to Jesus, like, here's my mess, like mm-hmm. take it Lord. Um, but yeah, but then to come out on the other side of that with the same reaction that Peter has is like, all right, well then not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Mm-hmm. Like that, that realization of what this really means. Um, yeah. And that's the, the, I think, the trust that's there. Yeah. And I think of now I'm being challenged as, as a teacher now, like how 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 much do I follow that model? Do I do I get messy? Do I do I kind of you know push my students and not just stay keep it safe? You know, like mm-hmm. they're not going to clean up things by themselves. So am I going to go in there and say, hey, will you let me 
you know, the, it's, mm. it's the, usually the line of like, well, you have to let me help you, you know, but then how often do I offer that um, for the students that I'm worried about and to really, you and, know, go after them. And that's a tricky things with, with high school kids, I think. I mean, probably any age, but I mean, they're <clears throat> depending on their age, right? They're, they're not, they're not necessarily wanting you to kind of get in touch with their mess either, you know? So it's mm-hmm. unless they're in kindergarten and yeah. they're just like, this <laughs> yeah, is they my mess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, the, the teachers who can, who can do that and, and who the kids feel safe with or connection with, I mean, that's really a mm-hmm. gift to them, you know? So. That was beautiful. Thank you for that reflection. I really love this. This is a great passage to to sit with. Thanks to you guys too. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's it's um it's something. I mean, kind of a cool thing. It's just kind of background for this passage too. Is that the night before the priests get get ordained in our in our province, they there's a foot washing, and we read this mm-hmm. passage. So it's kind of has that. It's becoming to have that kind of thing, you know, meaning for me as well. So, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to put you on the hot seat a little bit here. Okay. We have some Catholic school patrons, some saints that I have researched their background. And I'm going to tell you their story briefly, and I'm going to see if you can guess who it might be. Okay. All right. So all of these are coming out of the 1800s when the country was just finding its feet and Catholics were beginning to come into America more and more. So the first one we have is a convert. That's probably already gave it away for you. A convert from the Episcopal Church. Um, She had lost her husband. She was a widow. She was trying to make money to raise uh, money for her family. So she's running a school. But then when the students find out and the parents find out that she's Catholic, they they pull their kids out of the school because this is a big, like, anti-Catholic time in the country. So then she was invited to begin a Catholic school, which actually was uh, allowed poor and rich kids to go to school together. So there was no tuition or a sliding tuition scale, which was kind of rare at the time to have a private school with um, poor and rich together. She founded the Sisters of St. Joseph, which is what they call themselves at the time, but are now called the Sisters of Charity. And her sisters opened orphanages and schools and trained teachers. And she was their mother and led them until her death in 1821. Do you know this saint? I'm going to take a guess, but I don't. Okay. I mean, is, is this, is this um, Elizabeth Ann Seton? It is Elizabeth Ann Seton. Yay. Well done. Thank Yay. you. Ding, 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 Thank you. Yay. Yes. She is uh, frequently called like the one of the founders of Catholic education in America. Um. Yeah, so she's kind of the obvious uh, Catholic school saint. Give him some credit. That's not like a gimme. Was it a gimme? No, it's not a gimme. No, it's not a gimme. No, at all. It's all. No, no, but she's kind of like if you were to ask a you know man on the street interview of Catholic school teachers, like name a saint who's a patron of Catholic schools. She's she's Maybe pretty her. well known as a, a patroness of Catholic schools. All right, so now it gets a little trickier. So our next saint is also called a patron of Catholic schools because he was a bishop who was the first to organize a diocesan Catholic school system. So to put all the Catholic schools in his diocese into this like larger system. So in 1852, he was ordained the Bishop of Philadelphia. He was a redemptorist priest and 
um, under his guidance, the Catholic schools in his diocese went from two to 100 in the time he was bishop. Hmm. Um, do you know this thing? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> So his his feast day always comes right after Elizabeth Ann Seton's. Isn't that true? Yeah, yeah. He just recently had his feast day. So she is January 4th, I think. And I think he's the 5th. Uh, I might have gotten that wrong, but that's pretty close. This is a terrible clue. As if like you're... <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah. clue, yeah. <laughs> no, so he... I think you say John Neumann. Oh, okay. I would have guessed that, actually. I mean, that's not, not, not to say to that I can... knew that. Yeah, right. Because I, I never know how to pronounce his name either. Right, because there's also John Newman. Newman. Right. It's there's very Newman and Neumann. Confusing. Yeah. Very confusing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he was the Bishop of Philadelphia. So I thought that was impressive. Two schools to 100 schools in the time he was Bishop. That's awesome. So, okay, I know you're going to give this one. I know you're going to give this one. So this is a woman who was uh, living and working in the late 1900s. Sorry, late 1800s. And she founded the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. In the 1890s, she founded boarding schools for black children and also schools on the Navajo Reservation in Arizona and in other areas. And then right before her death, she had just gotten the charter for Xavier University in New Orleans. But then she died of a heart attack right before she was able to see that to fruition. And I know you know who this is because you've already made reference to her. So, Catherine, Drex Catherine Drexel. It is. It's Catherine Drexel. So she uh, is another patroness of Catholic schools, particularly for um, minorities in our country. So, all right. Well, you did a pretty good job. Thanks. Two out of three. I think that means you win. If this was NPR, you would win Joe Nava's voice on your on your answering machine or something like that. <laughs> we'll have to set um, that up later. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on that. Yeah. Joe will record your, your voice on your answering machine. I feel like I have to put you on the spot now as uh, and let your SJ initials shine here for our listeners who may not be uh, familiar with the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, as I'm sure Joe knows, <laughs> uh, the, the, the spiritual exercises are a, um, they're kind of, it's, it's a, basically a, man, a kind of a retreat um, a manual for retreat that Ignatius created Um and it's meant to be done. It can be done in daily life, but it also um, often is done over 30 days. Um, and so Jesuits do that uh, for 30 days. We, we have this retreat and it's focused on uh, basically to, I guess the graces would be to kind of grow in interior freedom, kind of away from the things that kind of keep you from God, to be open to what kind of where God's kind of calling you in your life. Uh, and then to, to, to kind of draw close to the life, to, to Jesus through meditating on the life of Jesus, um, using your imagination, use a lot of your imagination in these kind of prayers. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the idea is to kind of deepen, I guess, like any Catholic retreat would be to deepen in one's relationship with Jesus, but particularly through kind of different forms of prayer that Ignatius um, kind of uh, employs. So, and there's a... Again, I might be ignorant about this, or at least not well spoken about it. But the the nineteenth annotation, there's mm -hmm. it's, it's it's kind of like designed for kind of the working person. I know, like you know, the people that are in the thick of they can't do a thirty day retreat, but they can at least you know spread it out throughout their their year and at least be able to experience that and to have that time for reflection in their daily life, especially those that are you know 
just working, especially, you know, teachers out there, you know, to have that to, to, to kind of feed and to, to feed your teaching, to feed your relationships, I guess. Can you Google it? Have, have you, have you done that, Joe? Have you done the 19th? It is rigorous. And I, I, yeah. I have been told that like, you don't have to do it perfectly and the perfection is yeah. in me, but you know, they send the email out at school and like anyone's interested in it. It's like, what is it? 45 minutes of prayer each day? It, it would depend on what your director says. Oh God! So that I mean, I think that would be. I think that well, no, it wouldn't be more than that. I mean, maybe the most that someone would say would be an hour, but I think a director probably would say forty-five minutes would be plenty, and may maybe willing to accept whatever you can do. So yeah. That, I, yeah, it's it's on. It's definitely in the back of my mind and my heart because um, I've done plenty of silent retreats, um, but to to have it at that level. Then just to have the routine, I think it would be awesome, but it's just so daunting. And like, obviously, you know, if I could trade prayer for, you know, just reading, <laughs> binging on the internet, <laughs> post kids going down for bedtime, it's like the first thing I do is just pull up, you know, the internet and, and veg out for a little bit. But yeah, know, I need to love Jesus more, I think. <laughs> Don't we well, all? Don't we all? Yeah, we do. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure at some point, you know, it's there for you to, it's an opportunity. This is, know, this is a for, sign. For some, at some point, at some point in your life, you know, <laughs> this is a sign because you're the, you're the third person within the last month to like kind of give me that invitation. So yeah, I'll keep people. Hard. I mean, you're, yeah, you got kids and I mean, it's not like, in you know, you have, a, you have a lot to do, but <laughs> But yeah, no, it's a good, I, I have a good friend who's doing it right now, you know, because a lot of times for, for the listeners out there, a lot of times at Jesuit schools, that's, that's what, it's kind of part of um, just kind of a formation, you know, the kind of formation that a lot of teachers do, you know, is to do the, the 19th annotation and it releases offered, you know, through Jesuit schools. So anyway, that's something that I have friends who have, who have done that. And I know one right now who's really really finding it to be a you know a great experience so anyway that's awesome. yeah it's my plug all right greg well what do you want to tell the people give us words of encouragement words about <laughs> vocation whatever it is you want to say now's your time um you know if you could send at least one son to the society <laughs> of Jesus, that'd be great. Uh, no i'm just i'm just kidding um of course, but, um, I don't know, just to be attentive, you know, to, to, which I know a lot of, a lot of teachers are, um, actually, I think, you know, to be attentive to those, those moments kind of in the day with, with the kids that are, you know, grace moments and to be thankful for that. I mean, I, I think some people are really, really good at that, you know, and, um, I think of some of the, the people that I taught with an ACE, you know, who, who were so grateful and loved their students so much, you know, and, and, and uh, I think that was something that I kind of uh, I did as well. But I think that's something that I grew to appreciate even more and more, you know, as I kept teaching was just to 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 be, yeah, grateful for the kids, to pray for them, you know, to to but yeah, to love to love them. But like the part of love that is like joy, you know, mm-hmm. to really enjoy them, to be grateful for them. So that's beautiful. That's, Joe, be grateful for your students. <laughs> Love them. Get into their mess. <laughs> Work on it. Oh, that was beautiful. 
Awesome. Well, I think we can successfully say we've done another podcast. All right. Congratulations. Thanks for your help, Greg. We couldn't have done it without you. You're welcome. <laughs> first one from Canada. Maybe first and only. Yeah, right. international. International. A podcast is international. That's exactly. Right. That wraps up our episode for today. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Longview Podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to subscribe on iTunes to be up to date on our latest episodes. Also, share our podcast with a friend, another teacher, an ace friend, your mom, anyone that you think would enjoy our conversation. Your reviews and comments on iTunes help us to show up in the search bar, so we always appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Dallas Ace Advocates, and we're also on Twitter at Dallas Advocates. We'll see you here next time on the Longview Podcast.